the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, it's been a busy week. I missed you all yesterday. Uh, Thank you to Ryan Height, uh, my colleague, for filling in. And I'm glad to be back. As we're heading into the weekend, I hope people are going to have a great weekend. It feels like summer all over the country right now. Um, so especially in uh, San Diego, our San Diego listeners, uh, it is uh, beautiful this time of year out in the swamp where I am. It's actually swampy. It really is swamped up. It's so humid and so hot. But anyway, I hope people have a great weekend. A lot to think about. I, I do want to close out this week. I want to spend a minute uh, on what you need to know. Today's wink, what you need to know. Go to visit, by the way, visit ProAmericaReport.com. Sign up for the daily email. Monday through Friday, you get my daily email, the wink. The daily wink goes in your inbox, and you need to uh, have that in your inbox so that you can get a few key details, a few key links, and what you need to know every morning, 8 a.m. East Coast, 5 a.m. Pacific time. Sign up, ProAmericaReport.com. All right, today's wink. What you need to know, um, there is a famous phrase, there is a famous phrase that is often bandied about, and the phrase is from uh, Emerson. Uh, the Ralph Waldo Emerson once said, a foolish consistency is the hobgoblin of little minds. A foolish consistency is the hobgoblin of little minds. And the idea there is that they can, uh, uh, that people um, uh, will stick with something and uh, never, ever change. And it's a way to be critical of people. And Emerson is, you know, he, he, he's, uh, he wrote, uh, wrote a lot. He's kind of a philosopher. I mean, he's a philosopher. And his big thing was, um, you know, kind of a, a self-reliance. Um, so, but the idea, that's very used a lot. Here's what I want to tell you. Repetition, repetition is a hobgoblin of modern minds. I'm not sure I should even use hobgoblin, but repetition is the defining characteristic of the modern mind. And it's messy. I'm not saying I just came up with an Emersonian uh, uh, quotable uh, that you could use, but I want to get to what you need to know today. What you are seeing is consistent repetition of certain things in certain times, and it is part of what I call the narrative machine so often. The narrative machine is big tech, big government, and big media working together. And so I watched with interest Christopher Ray interviewed before the FBI, excuse me, before the U.S., the House, House Judiciary Committee. He's the head of the FBI. And I watched him dance away from answers and, and parse things based on words. And the parsing allowed him to always say and repeat that the, he repeated it again and again that there was no federal agents at January 6th. Now, he repeats it over and over and it's covered over and over and the narrative machine feeds it over and over. And what I know, I can tell you, I've reviewed all the documents. Well, no, I've reviewed a lot of documents. I read a lot of video. I, I listen closely. He's using a word. It's a trick word, a phrase, federal agent. 
because there was lots of whatever the term of federal agent, there was lots of non-federal agents. There were lots of law enforcement. And and if you asked him the next question, he would have said, I I can't comment on other law enforcement. I, I just can say there's not any federal agents. A little bit like Ray Epps. Ray Epps lawsuit against Fox News. He said, I was offended. I was defamed by being called a federal agent. Well, whatever you're called, I, it doesn't matter to me. But the, again, the the because what I would say about Ray Epps is why just simply why hasn't Ray Epps been charged? Other people similarly situated have been charged dramatically. In fact, other people who did a lot less than Ray Epps have been charged dramatically. And yet the repetition, and here's another one, for years, the repetition was, well, let me give you two examples. The repetition was Russia collusion. That was the phrase, Russia collusion. By the time you're done, most of the country thinks there was some sort of Russia collusion. Now, they think it was Russia and Trump, most people, when the facts that came out were it was Russia and Hillary Clinton's campaign, or better said, uh, Hillary Clinton camp, camp, Hillary Clinton's campaign paying for dirt that they got, that the guy that got the dirt got from Russia. I'm not even sure that rises to collusion. But the other one that's happened for years, years is January 6th was an armed insurrection. It was an armed insurrection until Ray Epps has now been implicated and they're now calling it a, a riot. A, 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 I, I heard Alan Dershowitz ask a question, which I'll ask here because I think it's fantastic. Alan Dershowitz had this question when he said it needs to be answered when for the law enforcement actors, for the people on January 6th, when did the first amendment events of that day which were described in the preparation, the Metropolitan Police Department. I've seen their documents, the Capitol Police Department. I've seen their documents. They call it a First Amendment protest. At what point did it turn into a domestic terrorism act or an act of direct, direct? When did it turn into domestic terrorism or an insurrection? What was the trigger legally that you can point to and say, ah, that? And you can't. And my point here is repetition of a message the narrative machine's use of the repetition of messages we and i'm putting me in the category we the modern mind operates on repetition because especially of how uh, frequent and present the media is to us and so when you get over and over again repetition the modern mind is 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 dominated by repetition it is framed by repetition it is owned by repetition we are blackmailed by repetition not blackmailed sorry we are brainwashed different word we're brainwashed and that fact is uh that fact is in my opinion it's indisputable i mean i just laid out examples but there's a million examples of how they're doing it here's another one here's another one uh, i forget oh glenn greenwald glenn greenwald had a comment on 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 social media i think it was on twitter could have been on his rumble show but he said i don't know if the um the the, the regime friendly media uh, Morning Joe and uh, the other guy, the MSNBC people who are spending a lot of time in the last few days saying the economy is actually good. Inflation numbers are actually down. And Glenn Greenwald's point was you can repeat a message over and over again. And that usually works. 
It works. Here's a, this is a really important. This is what you need to know is it's really important to see the difference here. Russia collusion. You couldn't know the truth. So when the repetition said there was Russia collusion to steal the election for Trump, Putin, Trump, you couldn't dispute that in your head. You couldn't go look. Glenn Greenwald's point was the regime friendly media, MSNBC, especially Morning Joe and some of these guys are saying, oh, the economy's really good. It's really turning out good. It's turning great. It's going OK. And Glenn Greenwald's point is um, normal Americans don't feel that normal Americans are not buying that repetition because it's so disconnected from reality. What they usually do is take an unreality, say it's reality and repeat it so many times. For example, don't you think that you know that the documents seized at Mar-a-Lago included national security documents, except that's just what we were told. And it was repeated and nobody's ever revealed it. And they might never reveal it because it's classified. So we're just told, don't ask. It's the Adam Schiff trick, right? Adam Schiff would go into the skiff and come out and say, oh, man, I reviewed everything. I can't tell you what it was, but it's bad. It's bad. It's really bad. And it would be allowed to be covered. It would be amplified by the narrative machine. Watch for the repetition. Watch for the repetition of certain messaging from the narrative machine, from big media and being fed something by big government and by big tech. And sometimes, by the way, sometimes big media will cover it and then big government will back it up. So you, you can see that one, too. There'll be something about, oh, boy, look at this. Big media is covering. Right now, big media is covering, uh, is spending a lot of time. Watch this. I'll tell you something. Watch this one. Big media and big tech are watch are spending a lot of time talking about the December 18, 2020 meeting in Trump's office as president, when there was people like General Flynn and Patrick Byrne and Sidney Powell and Rudy Giuliani and others, and they had a four-hour meeting and they said lots of stuff like, they said, hey, we should try this or we should try that. We should try this. We should think that. we should." And at the end of the meeting, I know, because I saw people that were in the meeting the next day, and they said, yeah, he's not doing any of that. In other words, they had a brainstorming meeting and the decision maker said, yeah, I don't buy what you're selling. And yet watch the repeating of how uh, uh, this meeting was a grand conspiracy. This meeting was a grand planning. There'll be no evidence except repetition. When you see the repetition with either no facts or facts that you can't verify, then you know you're being played. It's a brainwashing, ex 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 brainwashing exercise. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back. We got a lot more. Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Time to check in with Todd Benzman. He's been busy again. He seems to be busy a lot and maybe uh, almost too busy. I wish he wasn't because it would mean maybe they solved some of these things. But uh, he has a uh, a new uh, piece up at Daily Mail. I'll put it up on social media. How the migrant crisis is sparking an American civil war dispatch from a militarized Texas farm. Uh, welcome back, Todd. How are you? I'm doing quite well. Thank you. Now, you've been in, uh, I've done this before, but you've been in law enforcement yourself or in public safety, I guess it is, and you've been a journalist and all. But have, how how often do you feel unsafe when you're covering these border things? I mean, is there periods where you say, holy cow, I, 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 I got real, I got real danger here. How often does that happen? 
Oh, you know, not that often. Uh, usually, if I have that feeling, it's when I'm in Mexico sometimes. Okay. And I pay, I pay close attention to that feeling and, uh, you know, and I let it, I let it rule my decisions to leave, you know, mm. if I'm, if I'm in a bad way, bad place. Gotcha. All right. So let's go, let's go to this piece. Uh, Eagle Pass, Texas, down along the border, uh, right on the banks of the Rio Grande. Describe what is happening here, what's going on and what you in the headline, which, you know, I always know authors tell me they don't write the headline. So, but the headline says, um, American Civil War. Tell me what's going on on this militarized Texas farm. What do we have here? All right. So what's going on is this is probably the busiest sector uh, on the Texas border. It's Del Rio sector. Uh, This area is very heavily trammeled right now by illegal immigration, immigrants. And the Texas governor, Greg Abbott, has decided to really triple down on some of his deterrence programs. Let me give you a quick example of what I mean by that. Um, The governor has had his Texas Department of Public Safety uh, officers, uh, troopers, uh, all the different branches of it, and the National Guard bulldozing thousands of yards of riverbank, of all vegetation, and putting up fencing and razor wire all along there, and also roads that are patrol roads. Hmm. And they're stationing uh, troopers and police officers all along this and uh, for, to block immigrants trying to come up the riverbank. You're not coming into Texas. You're, we're blocking you uh, on the other side of the barbed wire fence, uh, okay. razor wire. Okay. It's called, they call it hold the line. I've reported about this. They did it first in Madam Morris, I think I was the first one to report that, uh, and it worked in the Madam Morris district further south, and now it's become policy. They are also occupying river islands and denuding them of vegetation and charging immigrants with trespassing if they touch one of those islands. Mm. Uh, adult immigrants, adults uh, without families, they're charging them, putting them in jail. and. Uh, in addition to that, the to both of these things, uh, they are, um, you know, doing uh, heavy patrol boat uh, work with interdiction work with their with marine boats, these big airboats on the Mexican side of the river. I might add, where groups that try to cross, they just get right in their way, uh, and they'll actually chase down on the boats the smugglers and haul them onto the boats. And arrest them. Um, they're doing a lot of really aggressive work down there. Most recently, uh, you'll probably see this a lot in the media. Uh, they are they're deploying a marine barrier. These giant floating orange rotating balls, buoys, mm-hmm. uh, a thousand feet to start, and then they'll be expanding on that. Well, what my story is about is how. The border patrol behind the Texas line is beckoning the immigrants to go around and through the Texans. And if they can, if they can get the migrants to them to the border patrol, the border patrol will then bring them into the country, issue them notices to appear, and release them into the interior. And so there's this sort of conflict that has developed between Texas and Biden's border patrol, and the immigrants are 
uh, repeatedly hurling themselves at the Texas line because every once in a while they'll find Border Patrol over there and the Border hmm. Patrol brings them in past the Texans. Huh. And they're going around the Texans uh, to the Texas line is constantly expanding. But if you hike down long enough, you can find the edge of where the Texans are. And there the Border Patrol will have set up stations to bring the migrants in. And um, so you have this mass migration crisis continuing using the Border Patrol, uh, avoiding the tan uniformed state police getting to the border patrol and then getting let into the country. And that is the je- the gist of the piece that I wrote for the daily mail. And a lot of my, my uh, video on my Twitter account is showing exactly what I'm talking about. I uh, would talk with Todd Benzman, by the way, let me say Todd Benzman's book, which is really good at ex- describing sort of how we got here is overrun uh, how Joe Biden unleashed the greatest border crisis in U.S. history. Todd Benzman comes from uh, Post Hill Press, Bombardier Books, their division there. Uh, go to uh, toddbensman.com and, and you can get it there as, lo- as well as uh, his other book, America's Covert, A Border War. You can link through to it. Um, so when you say this conflict is developing, is it a ho- I-, I don't mean it to be too glib, but is it is it? When they can, they're getting uh, they're getting around the the, the illegals are getting around the Texas uh, officers are the Texas officers and the federal officers um, in actually are they in they're civil. They are civil. They're civil. But let me give you an example. This is prominent in my Daily Mail piece. So in the midst of these Texas fortifications, Border Patrol decided to lease a plot of land right in the middle of all of the barbed wire, the fortifications, all of the troops, the dust, the Humvees, all of that. And they got the landowner to agree to open up the tech, the fence that the Texans built on her property, a right. section of their fence right, uh, to the river. And then the landowner built a ramp down to the river that makes it easy for the immigrants to walk up it. So they created this gap in the Texas line. Oh, I and see. And sure enough, all the immigrants just started going for it. Thousands of immigrants just crossing the river, going right up the ramp and into this border patrol station that they set up on this property. And when the Texans got wind of that, they didn't ask anybody's permission. They just moved force into there. They closed that gate and chained it shut. Oh, wow. Destroyed the ramp and put barbed wire and a bunch of soldiers on it. Yep, I'm and, seeing I'm seeing uh, the pictures. Yeah, I'm seeing the pictures of that. Um, uh, that's Todd, the kind of thing. Yeah, Todd. Um, when can you imagine? Can you describe by imagining uh, what? Uh, well, or help us by describing. A lot of this is happening also because of technology, because as soon as there's a gap like that, they spread the word, right? Either on social media or texting. And what was it like before they had that ability to communicate? You you just sort of stumbled up to where you could. I guess I, I guess it would have uh, increased the power of the the uh, mules uh, that, that carried people across. But uh, it, the technology must be aiding and abetting this dramatically. Yeah, because there's instantaneous intelligence reporting from friends and family. Right. So, for example, you know, I went on to the Piedras Negras side, which is the other side of Eagle Pass. And over there, uh, I could I could see the immigrants being blocked by Texas swim back to the Texas side. And I would be right there as they pulled out of the water. And and my question to them is, where are you going now? What are you doing? They're saying, well, we hear that a couple hundred yards up. 
there's a border patrol group and that, you know, a bunch of us just got through and they let them in and now they're in Chicago or whatever, you know? So we're going up, we're going up there. Hmm. And I followed, I followed them and sure enough, they crossed in and got right in. Wow. Uh, So it's just an instantaneous, you know, whoever gets in, texts everybody downstream saying, Hey, border patrols over here. Uh, And the immigrants are very keenly aware of tactical on the ground, minute to minute intelligence. Hmm. Uh, And on the, on both sides, you can see all day long, hundreds of immigrants just traversing the the, the razor wire on the Texas side, looking for a border patrol. Yeah. It's amazing. Uh, It's amazing. And, um, and this piece in the daily mail covers it really well. Uh, uh, Todd Benzman, I'm out of time, unfortunately. Thank you for breaking away to get us uh, an update. Uh, we will I'll put it all up on social media and link to his Twitter feed. I'm also looking at his Twitter feed. There's lots of uh, of uh, footage there. So uh, Todd Benzman, uh, Center for Immigration Studies is where he hangs his hat professionally, but he's down on the border giving us reports. We will take a break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Don't forget, don't forget, visit ProAmericaReport.com and uh, make sure you sign up for the daily email. Hey, I wanted to cover something as a standalone conversation. No interviews, no nobody, because I've been so struck by this um, for a few days. I, earlier last week, we had uh, on as our guest, John Katsimatidis, um, who is the famous uh, grocer and then investor and a businessman. He's a billionaire and he's got a book out called How Far Do You Want to Go? Lessons from a Common Sense Billionaire. And one of the things that um, I, then I saw him speak, I had him on the show, then I saw him speak. One of the things he was talking about was how New York had changed. He had run for mayor at one point. He had been around when uh, uh, Bloomberg was there and Rudy was there and uh, and all the way back with all the other guys. In fact, I was reminded of the um, documentary on New York City uh, that was put out on. We had an interview earlier in the year uh, about New York and how from starting from uh, uh, the period back in the uh, Mayor Koch era all the way up through uh, Bloomberg, especially and covered Rudy Giuliani, they, the difference. And here's what I want to tell you. I, I want to set this up because this is so important for what we're watching. And, and let me say my let me say my, my, my bona fides on this. As some of you know, I grew up in, in New Jersey, and most of most of much of my childhood is in Jersey City, which is a very um, you know it's right next to New York City across the Hudson River, and um, it's a real city. And at the time I was there, there was not gentrification of Jersey City. There is now, and properties that would have cost you uh, like uh, uh, ten thousand dollars to buy are worth a uh, million dollars now. But so, I, and I grew up right across from New York City. Spent a lot of time in New York City. Spent a lot of time in Staten Island. I mean, I grew up in the New York metropolitan area, and then. I spent time uh, studying in Seattle. I spent time studying in Worcester, Massachusetts, a real rundown urban place. I spent uh, a time as a as a young uh, professional living in Jakarta, one of the biggest cities in Asia, uh, living in Rome in Italy uh, for a couple of years, actually. And then, of course, spent 25 plus years in St. Louis. Uh, and have done this program in San Diego and spent a lot of time in San Diego where the show originates. So I, I, I love cities. And I live in cities. I lived in downtown Rome. I lived in downtowns. I lived in the city of St. Louis. I, I, I love living in cities and I love to be in urban areas. 
And what I have to say is when you look at what happened in New York, so John Katsimatidis said this, he said it's like the law of the jungle. And and if it's a law of the jungle, you can't rely on, uh, on, 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 on certain things that you would. In fact, I think he got the question when he was doing this uh, interview, he was asked, would you open up grocery stores in places like Baltimore? And he said, when I look at this, as a businessman, you can't make it work. I, I'm not. I'm not a charity. I'm a businessman. You can't make it work. And what I want to point to is when you look across the country, the failed politics of our cities, St. Louis, with its disastrous, uh, disastrous uh, prosecutor elected, you know, a Soros-funded person. And, and oh, you go, Philadelphia has got one of those, all these places. You know, I think, uh, uh, the Manhattan DA has been down the path in Washington, DC. Oh, by the way, that's another one. I, I, I work on Washington, DC in the city, in Washington, DC. My office is in the, in the district and I'm in here uh, every day. And that, that the, 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 it's a little bit of a different city because it's run by the Congress technically. And so it's a lot of dominated by federal, but, but the, the, the control is from the federal money, but still the prosecutor is a mess here. And there's crime. I mean, there was a shooting on Catholic University's uh, campus of a teacher who was up here for teacher training. I mean, insanity. But what Katsimatidis reminded me of when he was talking about this was not that you solve these kinds of urban, these questions with one big fix. It's actually sort of brick by brick. And when you look back at how the dramatic transformation of New York City it was really, it was uh, Dinkins, actually, when you look at that, um, Mayor Dinkins had appointed a police commissioner at the very end of his time who stayed on then for, with Rudy, who was really good. But the fact is, they approached the situation not by where's the grand slam, where's the home run. They said, how do we hit a single? How do we change this piece and that piece? And it was called broken windows. They called it broken windows. When you're on a city block and you got broken windows, people start to say, well, this is run down. And they go on to the next thing. If you like the graffiti on the subways, they go on to the next thing. And so the point is, there's not going to be one dramatic solution. It's a mindset. It's a mindset. And the mindset comes out of the American exceptionalism. It's not Republican. It's not Democrat. It is. I do think it is actually conservative. It's, it's the rule of law. That says we're going to care about the small crimes as well as the big crimes. We're going to care about the small offices as well as the big offices in terms of elected officials. And that might be the best news about the current frustration people have had with the COVID and with the school boards and with the woke culture is take back the pieces you can that are closest to you and change them. Don't wait for a grand slam. Don't wait for one hero to come in. I will get a new president. He'll do it. No, you need a new mayor. You need a new city councilman. And even uh, Katsimatini is the thing I actually like the best about what he did. When I was a kid growing up, there were certain radio stations that dominated our lives. WABC is one of the big signals. In 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 St. Louis, we have KMOX, which is a similar like 50,000 watt signal that's actually was designed for national, secu uh, national security purposes, emergency preparedness, so that if there was a crisis, there's like 12 or 15 stations that can blast out. And WABC was one of them. And Katsimatidis bought the station a few years ago and has basically said, we're going to make this about our community. We're not going to make it about uh, 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 the, the, um, 
uh, national syndicated journalist. I mean, I love listening to Limbaugh, but he would be the exception for me in my life. In terms of listening, I'd listen to KMOX before it went to the dogs. It went, it went, and KMOX decided to be all things to everybody and they're gone. They're, they're not even like, they're not, they're not local. They're not aggressive. They're not paying attention. They're just blah. And they did it because they ended up doing the opposite of what people think. They had Limbaugh. And then around it, they had all regular um, uh, local people that had a, uh, uh, had their pulse on what was going on. How's the impact on our community? Even when they were talking to national people, they were saying, how's it affect St. Louis? Well, that's what Katsimatidis did in WABC and what he's doing for New York. And the point here is back to my thing. Don't wait for a savior in terms of politics, in terms of, of policy. Uh, there was a recent essay. Uh, a lengthy essay, uh, not too lengthy, actually, uh, but it was re- relating to it was uh, reacting to another one about Father Hesburgh of Notre Dame. Father Hesburgh of Notre Dame. I think he was the president of Notre Dame from about 1952 until 1987, something extraordinary like that. He had become president when he was in his early 30s and he stayed until he was 80 something. But he had a vision for his school, Notre Dame, to make it exceptional in all kinds of ways, some dramatic some dramatic. They got some big speakers, but a lot of them were just in the basics in, in, in really high quality. Uh, uh, this, uh, uh, category, uh, really high quality law school. He built that really high quality ethics program, whatever it is. And he, and the vision he had, this essay was about how the, that leader, this is my point. That leader was transformative for that world. Hesburgh actually probably was a national figure. If you were around, he was, but he wasn't famous. He wasn't Martin Luther King Jr., although I think he was marched with Martin Luther King Jr. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't a senator. He wasn't, but the, but the, the, forget the history books. The actual history would describe how transformative his role was in the leadership he could do in his place, in his space. And it's just another example. And, uh, and I think, that one of the um, really important mindset changes is this local, is connecting yourself locally, both because you need to survive. You've got to have a net, a, 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 a network, a, a web of things that are meaningful to you in your day-to-day life, not just Twitter or not just uh, uh, social media or not just the internet or not just whatever. And that connection, I think, is really valuable. So that's that got me thinking about that. And I think we're going to have, of course, I, I believe we're going to have a series of political wins that that shift our politics on, on our urban centers, uh, on on building new cities, new communities, and figuring out how you can contribute to that and bring your values to that. And ultimately, the American ideal is to try it, see what works, and then build on it. And that there's a rule of law. Maybe I skipped that a little bit, but that the system works. If it's the law of the jungle, the system can't work. We've got to buy into the American system, constitution, rule of law, values that knit us together. Ethics, a handshake is a handshake. It's a deal. And the law backs it up, but it's a deal. All right. That's what I got. That sent me off on that. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily commentary continuing the conservative pro-family legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. Pro-transgender organizations like the National Collegiate Athletic Association, or NCAA, ardently claim that testosterone testing is the only measure that should be taken to ensure that men 
who are claiming to be women don't dominate and thereby ruin women's sports. Yet testosterone tests are inadequate because even if the male hormone is artificially reduced, men still inherently have immense physical advantages over female athletes. For example, the average male is five inches taller than the average female, which gives men a decisive margin in many sports, including swimming and track and field events. The average height of players in women's professional basketball is only six feet, while the corresponding average for a man in the NBA is six feet six inches. Leveling testosterone will not even out that disparity or other sex differences, such as how males are much less vulnerable to sports injuries than women and girls are. Just recently, a transgender athlete won a women's cycling event recognized by the World Cycling Authority. While some international sports authorities are belatedly beginning to change their rules, the top American sports leagues beholden to television contracts with liberal media are not budging one bid. Democrat presidential candidate Robert F. Kennedy Jr. sides with girls, women, and Donald Trump against allowing males to compete in female sports. But President Joe Biden recently issued Title IX regulations that will be used by liberal courts to invalidate state laws that protect women's sports against transgender invasion. Biden supports extremism in the transgender movement, which is where the media wants him to be. No matter what the left may claim, there is no hormone therapy or surgery that can make athletic competitions between men and women fair. When you're competing at the highest levels, fractions of a second can make all the difference. How could a six-inch height difference not destroy any chance for our women and girls to reap the rewards of their hard work on the basketball court? It's time for America's leaders to wake up to this horrible threat that's coming for our daughters. Let's take boys out of girls' sports. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. Our mission, clearly stated at phyllisschlafly.com, is to enable and mobilize grassroots activism on behalf of cherished conservative values. You're encouraged today to go online and read the goals we support and those we oppose. Then join us. That's phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening and come back next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Uh, Finishing up our long week, let me give you an update from the swamp. Um, Yesterday, I went up on Capitol Hill and spent some time with Jason Smith. Jason Smith is the congressman from Missouri who is now the Ways and Means uh, chairman. And he's an old friend of mine, somebody I've known for a long time. Very good guy. Very young guy. He's like 43 or four years old. And he's a, probably the most powerful congressman in the Congress, in the House, most powerful member, other than maybe the Rules Committee chairman. Uh, the Rules Committee controls all legislation or the speaker. But it's those two or three, uh, maybe three or four. There might be a couple others. Anyway, he's a really good guy, nice guy. And he's the guy, you may remember, who the whistleblower came to out of the IRS saying, hey, uh, what were the Bidens doing? And uh, all I can say, because it's not uh, all I can say is to comment on what he's publicly said is to tell you 
There's a lot there. There's a lot there that the scope of what went on in the bot with the Bidens has gone on with the Bidens is now I'm now I'm expanding on this. All he said to me and he said publicly is there's a lot happening. There's a lot there. There's a lot more to get to, and they're going to get to the bottom of it. So that's Jason Smith's comment. I can tell you, having sat there and talked to him and talked to his staff and then done my reading and things, this is uh, perhaps the most egregious uh, instance of corruption of a, of a U.S. president. If everything that we're seeing comes out, uh, plays out the way it's playing out, a lot could change. But what we're seeing so far is extraordinary. And here's the thing that's uh, hard to quantify. Um, Biden was in it so long. Look, look again, I said this the other day, a, a, a U.S. senator giving his uh, brother a lobbyist uh, a lead or even giving him preferred access, that's not uh, that's awfully difficult to quantify and awfully difficult to describe as corrupt. It, you may not like it. It may be true that the swamp is too big and too uh, wealthy and too powerful, and that makes it so clearly advantageous to be the brother of a senator that it's like crazy. But that's kind of human nature. That's kind of the way things work, no matter where you are. Um, you know, if you're the if you're the uh, son of the ball of a ball player, you're going to be in the All Stars. Remember, one of the, the players uh, in the All Star game a couple days ago was there with his kids, and he, you know, if you're the son of a ball ball player, you're going to be the ball. Uh, if you're the son of a baseball player, you're likely to be the ball boy, right? Or you're likely to play on the field before the game. I mean, this is so. There's always going to be when you're close to power, close to influence, close to someone in prestige. There's going to be an advantage. The difference here is the scope of what it looks like Joe Biden and his family did. And truly, it looks like it was instigated, if not sort of um, um, uh, exacerbated by Hunter Biden's uh, inability to uh, operate inside any norms. And I'm not meaning this as a compliment. I'm just saying uh, the other parts of the Biden corruption look like what you see in every one of these members and their families. Uh, that's not fair in a lot of members and their families, the people in power, that there's the the ability for them to be influential and they use it and an ability for them to make a living and they use it. But Hunter Biden sort of accelerated things. And then here's the one that I think is the kicker. I actually think this is the best argument. You know, I do a Wednesday uh, appearance on a on an ESPN radio station in uh, Champaign-Urbana with Stevie J and his brother Johnny. We do a three 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 man conversation, and Johnny is a big terms limit guy. He has promoted term term limits. He's supported term limits, and so we often talk about it. Joe Biden's uh, what looks like Joe Biden's greed when he was finally out of power, when he could actually just take the money. You know, when he finally was no longer the vice president, it, it looks like he was like, "Ah, finally, my chance. And he took the payout. Maybe he thought he would never run for president again, in which case we would have never found any of this out. Now, as it was pointed out to me yesterday, some of what Biden was doing was when he, he was vice president. But in terms of what I think is the egregious payout that you can see, I think the rest of it may have been done in such a way that you can't see it or prove it. But you can see. That suddenly there is all these different payments, massive amounts of money transferred that, that Joe Biden actually reported on his, in his IRS report, uh, in his tax returns, 10 million, 7 million for what? We, we, I mean, this is, again, who's given him all that money? 
usually it's it's more cleverly done. I hate to say it, but it's true. Usually you get a half a million dollars to be on the board of this and a million dollars to be on the board of that. And your book deal is $2.5 million and it adds up to six and a half million dollars. Suddenly you're making a great, 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 great living. But to just get $10 million, $7 million, none of that. That's not a book deal. There's something happening here. And all I can say is my conversation and my interactions with Congressman Jason Smith, chairman of the Ways and Means Committee, is he's a very affable guy. He's a very conservative. He's a, he's a pretty he's a pretty hardcore conservative, but he's not a, a a street brawler. He doesn't he's not Irish like I am or Irish American. So but he is I could tell you he's going to get to the bottom of this. And I don't think that there's any chance that this president, Biden, survives it, meaning his reputation. And uh, it doesn't matter if Lindsey Graham, who came out and sort of supported Biden, said, oh, yo, I don't think it's probably much. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what Lindsey Graham or anybody else says. It's I think it's really going to end up. uh, And this guy, Jason Smith, is going to get to the bottom of it. So uh, look for that. And it will be interesting. All right. Let me finish up and say thank you to the great Noah Dingley, our producer. We've had a busy week. Ryan Height stepped in to help. Also, uh, our new colleague over in St. Louis, Louis, uh, Mason Mohan. Mason Mohan is uh, also helping. Another one of our producers on this program. So thank you to those three for getting it done. And we will be back next week. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Look forward to talking to you then. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer San Diego. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.